Uh, we're going to get some politics for the next hour or so. So joining us is debut appearance. Now, he has been on our airways before. Dan Schaefer, award-winning columnist, uh, political writer. Um, how many times now for the Milwaukee Press Club? It's like double digits, right? Oh, it's a few. I've won a few awards at the Milwaukee <laughs> yeah. Press Club. I'm very proud Don't of it. Don't be humble. Yes. That's a great organization. <laughs> I'm a member. I think that's a big deal. And uh, you, you are somebody, we, we disagree politically as far as the ideology and policy and a lot of things, but I, I like the way you approach politics uh, from a very common sense, this is the reality for Wisconsin generally, but you talk national as well. Um, and you're going to join us weekly going forward as we kind of get Closer and closer to that big election that's happening next November in in uh, in our country. Wait, there's an election yeah. happening yeah. in this country. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What wait a minute. Then? No, yeah, I'm very excited to be joining the show. Very excited to be uh, having these conversations with you, Steve and Sandy. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I I do lean a little bit to the left, and we're going to disagree from time to time, which is fine. But I think there's a lot of common ground we can come to as well. So so we'll we'll seek that out when the opportunity presents itself. And right? you know me well enough to know that I I like to get things done. That's and right. I, and I applaud consensus, even though uh, former. Vice President Mike Pence said consensus is not leadership. I disagree with him. I think it is leadership. I thought that was one of the more interesting, you know, kind of one-line quotes from the debate that the former vice president had. Nikki Haley was talking about wanting to build consensus. I actually thought that was one of her strongest moments of the debate. That's why I thought she won the debate. Yeah, I thought she did really well. I I wrote about that in my column last week as, as, you know, to the extent to which it matters, we'll see. Uh, But I thought she had a really strong performance in the debate. I thought that was the, the one, the point about consensus you know that's and progress. I think that's something that we can agree on. We want to keep things moving forward. We want to keep want to have action over ideology. That's always something I'm going to value in yeah. politics. And we're going to talk to um, Jerry Deshane later on. He's the head of the director of the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. And one of the things that he's been really good at as director, I was a member when I was, of course, in, in the city of Oak Creek. He has worked to get consensus between local leaders that are all the way left and all the way right and everybody in the middle. That is how some of these things got done. And we're going to talk about shared revenue in a bit. But I want to go back to the debate because I know you paid mm-hmm. close attention. You were in the room, right? I was in the media room. Yeah, I had Just, I had credentials and everything. It was in the filing center. It was uh, it was quite the scene. Yeah, Absolutely. describe it for us because I wasn't there. Yeah, so it was my first time covering a debate like this. Uh, so, so that was pretty interesting just to be in the room. So you're not actually in the arena with the rest of the candidates, with the moderators. Uh, you know, that is, you know, for for the guests and for the supporters of each respective candidate, so they're in the back. They have the big spin room, and that's mm-hmm. where you know I think Sean Hannity broadcasted right after the show. And then they have the media filing center. So I had credentials for the media filing center, but not for the spin room. So I wasn't able to kind of go around and talk to every candidate as they made the rounds in the in the spin room after the debate. I saw a number of you know Milwaukee TV journalists that were in the spin room asking good questions as well. But I was over in the media filing center. Actually, one of the interesting things that happened uh, in the media filing center was that Donald Trump Jr. just kind of popped up uh, in the media filing center because they didn't, apparently, as he was complaining about, the Fox News did not give Donald Trump Jr., because his father wasn't participating in the debate. Which is the right get, way to rule, I would think, right? Exactly. You're they not did, there, they you didn't give him, They didn't give him credentials. But he popped up in the media center and, and had about you know 40 reporters swarm him and imagine. start asking questions about uh, his response to the debate. He had some interesting things to say, as you might imagine. What did you learn at that debate? Just from the behind the scenes. I mean, you had never been to one before, I'm guessing? Yeah, I'd never been to a debate. You know, I, I covered the Senate debate uh, as part of the midterms last year between Mandela Barnes and Ron Johnson. I've covered 
you know, other debates at the local level, things like that. But as far as a presidential debate, I had never covered anything like that. So it was really interesting, you know, it's just to see, like, I was sitting next to a reporter from England. Uh, so there are people, you know, the international interest of this, uh, obviously a big deal for Milwaukee as we put ourselves on the national and world stage by hosting these events, but also, you know, just the amount of attention that there is to this primary, uh, this being the first primary of the election cycle, Trump not being there as participating. It was it was it was a bizarre debate, I think, because of that. And I think it's you know, you can't avoid that aspect uh, of it as well. It's just like it was a big you know, spectacle, but it also had this undercurrent of some real weirdness going on, you know. And now your opinion after the debate was that even though he wasn't there, was that Trump won it? Yeah, I, I do think he did. I don't think any of the candidates who were there put enough pressure on Trump. You know, you, you have the candidate who's the front runner, typically in a debate of, of multi, multiple candidates on stage. You're going to have some people going after the front runner, right? They're, they're, these other candidates want to win. They want to be in that position that the front runner is in. They want to overtake that spot in the polls. We didn't see a whole lot of criticism of Donald Trump throughout that debate. Uh, I think you saw more praise for him than anything. I think, you know, in particular, I think uh, Vivek Ramaswamy made some news. You know, he was very effusive in his praise of Trump throughout the debate, called him the best president of the 21st century. Well, why are you running against him then? You know, it seemed to me it's like a fair question seemed to me like he probably more than any of the other candidates on stage, but also including some of the other candidates on stage were running to be his vice presidential pick. I right. think there are a number, you know, Trump joked about this uh, on his social media media platform his campaign put out a, a website the day of the debate saying this is the vice presidential debate you know and i think ramaswamy more than anyone encapsulated that moment of really uh of really trying to you know be the be the vice presidential selection he is dan schaefer author writer creator of the recombobulation area the great you can find it on any social media right great week weekly Absolutely, yep. Yeah, good stuff. Um, if you want to know about politics, again, left-leaning. I always tell people that. It's, it's, it's brilliantly written, which is one of the reasons I read it, is because it is brilliantly written. Um, I want to get to the, the meat of the question that Sandy asked. Anything going to change the dynamics in the Republican race? Or, as you said, is it just Donald Trump and then everybody else is just vying for whatever's left of, that, uh, of this race? We'll discuss with Dan Schaefer after this on WTMJ Now. Dan Schaefer, our guest, as he will be every Tuesday, 9.30, here on WTMJ Now, the creator of the Recombobulation Area Greats, left-leaning. I always want to give our audience an understanding of what we're doing here. And we'll, we'll also have, a uh, from the right side, we haven't firmed it up yet, a, also a right-leaning columnist slash blogger as well. So it's, it's all part of our coverage of 2024, right? Mm -hmm. We're all ramping up. So the, the Trump question, anything, you said Trump won the debate, he wasn't there. Anything... That you see, other than maybe a horrific day in court for the president, <laughs> that knocks him out of that first spot. And he, will he be the nominee? Yeah, I th still think there is a path for a non-Trump candidate to, to emerge in this primary. I think the problem with it is that, you know, everybody thought that non-Trump candidate was going to be Ron DeSantis. And we've seen kind of the trend line in his campaign over the last couple months. It's pointing down. And, and I don't think he did anything in the debate last week to reverse the trend line. Maybe he evened it out a little bit, 
But I don't think he did anything to reverse the trend line where he's going to be climbing in the polls after the, that debate in a really significant way either. Uh, I think, you know, there, there, I think, I thought Nikki Haley had a good debate. I thought there were some others who, who had some interesting things to say over the course of it. But none, Trump has such a big lead right now. You know, he has a 40 point lead in the national polls. That's huge in a primary with this many candidates. And so I think you're really going to have to see something more than just a couple canned lines from Ron DeSantis to reverse that trend and and really seize that lane that's open for a non-Trump conservative candidate to be running in this Republican primary. A lot of people who watched the debate from all sides of the political aisle um, thought Nikki Haley did very, very well. And, and some people say she won, and I, I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. And I'm also somebody that voted for her as a writing candidate in the last election because I, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. Um, is she part of the reality for Republicans? Could she be... A candidate that's really going to be taken seriously, or is, or is she twenty twenty eight or beyond? What do you see? How do you see that? Yeah, that's you know that's kind of one of the questions that I raised in my in my recap column at the Recombobulation area about she did really well in the ba- debate. She has a lot of experience and credentials and all of these different things, but is that going to going to matter? Is that what Republican voters want right now, or do they just want Trump again? And right now, all the evidence is pointing to the fact that they just want Trump again. In an unwinnable race, because that's what I say it is. If you if you nominate Trump, I don't believe he will win the the general election. So what is this really? Is this just a stand for we're not going to be told what to do for Republicans? Because kind of seems like it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I, I think to a certain extent, I feel like they have some unfinished business with Trump. I, you know, they so many Republicans think that the election was stolen and that Trump deserved a second term. Perhaps that's it. Uh, you know, of course, fraudulently think the election is stolen. I don't really know what it I think, you know, I think the success of Ramaswamy in the polls too suggests that this type of behavior in a primary, this type of attitude where it's all about showmanship and performance more than policy and substance, that seems to be what the voters in that primary want right now. You know, if it was uh, a different candidate who was kind of climbing in the polls the way Ramaswamy is right now, maybe that would be indicative of some sort of you know, uh, simmering uh, desire for uh, a more, you know, middle of the road, competent type type of candidate. But they just keep going for the showmanship, keep going for the performance. The only billboard I saw the, the following day after the debate was a Vivek billboard that said the revolution has begun. And then hashtag vote Vivek. And I'm sure his website so he could fundraise. But that was the only ripple last when last Wednesday, last Thursday that I saw. Yeah, I think he he was the candidate who everybody was talking after the debate, right? I mean, it's and he was on Meet the Press this weekend. He's still he was, talking. He's still talking. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. I think he's gonna face a little bit more scrutiny with a little bit uh, brighter spotlight on him, and we'll see how we'll see how he handles that. But but I think that that type of attitude that that he brought to the debate that Trump has has always brought to every debate stage that seems to be what Republican voters are looking for right now. So let's talk about the president, Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Any concerns? I mean, there's there's certainly questions about him. He's he's, he's an older individual. Um, I I had the great opportunity to meet him a number of times, and the Joe Biden I see now because I'm not with him in a room is not the Joe Biden that I talked to ten years ago. So as a as a left leaning Democrat or independent, what what do you see as any concerns for Democrats going into this election? I think Trump's eminently beatable. So if it's Joe Biden Trump, I think Joe Biden would win. But if it's not Donald Trump, it might be a different race. Could be. 
uh, one factor there is that, that I also wrote about is that I don't think Trump is ever going to concede in this primary and yeah. say that he lost. Right. So I think that is a factor that is looming over all of this that, that people don't really be aren't talking about all that much. But I think when it comes to Joe Biden, of course, there's going to be concerns with any candidate. And I think you, you, I'm not going to uh, skip over it. It's the, the main concern that I have is his age. And I think that's the main concern that a lot of people have. Um, you know, he is he is a very old president. He is in his 80s. Uh, I think that is going to be a concern for some voters. But I think people have seen, uh, you know, the progress that this country has made in the three years that he has been president. And I think the vision that he has put forth in this country. And, and I think he, you know, the power of incumbency is powerful and uh, hard to beat an incumbent. It, it is hard to beat an incumbent. We saw that last fall in Wisconsin with with Tony Evers and Ron Johnson both winning re-election. Incumbency is a factor, uh, and so I think you know it's really important uh, that you know uh, Democrats, progressives, liberals, independents, whatever you know characterization you want to bring. I think it's going to be important that Biden you know kind of builds that consensus and under the big tent of the democratic party uh to to win that re-election battle as this race unfolds all the attention for republicans will be in milwaukee and all the attention for democrats will be in chicago two cities only what 80 miles apart or whatever it is mm-hmm. um as a democrat left-leaning what is your stake or your opportunity when the rnc comes here what, what are you looking forward to well i'm just looking forward to i'm, I'm looking to see how Milwaukee handles this spotlight because I think we all were anticipating this spotlight four years ago with the right. DNC. We didn't get that moment because of the pandemic. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm interested more of this, the RNC, if just like what's happening in Milwaukee as much as I'm interested in what's happening nationally and how the city responds to it, uh, how people respond to it. You know, I, I, in addition to having my own opinions on the recombobulation area, I shared a column by Angela Lang of Black Leaders Organizing for Communities talking about how there were some instances of hate and, and negativity at that debate and the hope that that type of attitude is not brought to Milwaukee and Wisconsin next year with the RNC uh, is, is something that I think is a real concern for people in this city. I was encouraged by the the words and actions of Milwaukee Mayor Kevlar Johnson when it came to the RNC. He was all in, right? which I think is the right response. And I think that's a great example. We talk about consensus and you know bipartisanship. If you can see that level from certainly a Democrat, uh, Kevlar Johnson, mayor of Milwaukee, I think we should be encouraged about the potential for some of that. Now, having said that, I understand there's a lot of vitriol between the parties. Do you get a sense, this is a kind of a big picture question, do you get a sense that we are still trending on more of the um, political hates, or do you see that ebbing and, at some point and coming back to more, a more normal reality? Because I, I talked to a lot of conservatives who are just kind of fed up with all of this. Yeah, I think, I, I would hope it would get to a more normal reality. I, I think with Trump involved, that's not going to happen. I, I just with period, simply put it that way. I don't. I don't think... The, the way that Trump operates, the, the hate that he has invited uh, throughout his time in the spotlight as president and as a candidate, I, I think that uh, with him there, you're, you're, we're not going to turn the page if we're going to have a past president, past candidate come back to Milwaukee. Probably right. Dan Schaefer, our guest, one more break, and then I want to ask you about the Wisconsin Supreme Court quickly before we let you get out of here. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ Now. We are joined in studio, as we will be every Tuesday, 930, by political writer... Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation Area. If people want to find that great source, how can they find it? Yeah, the Recombobulation Area publishes on Substack. It is a reader-supported publication. You get almost all of our support from readers. So come 
you can become a free subscriber. You can become a paid subscriber. It's just a five bucks a month to get started and support a uh, local independent media outlet covering news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. And as someone who's read that, I mean, you read your work and, and certainly seen your accomplishments. It, it is sort of the wave of the future, right? Small, you know, little entities writing some great content and covering big stories, both in the state and in the country. I think. You know, as much as newspapers are struggling, that might be the next reality. So I, I don't want to see it just become segmented by ideology and party, but that's part of the reality of how we cover politics now. So I'm glad that you're here. Well, I like to think of it as kind of a maybe, you know, a more, you know, a version in the 2020s of kind of your weekly newspaper columnist, you know, right. and doing it more independently, publishing in this new type of platform, digital, whatever. But I, but I still think I, I really want to keep what I'm doing kind of in that tradition of the weekly newspaper columnist. All right. So we could spend a half hour talking about the Wisconsin Supreme Court. We have now left leaning court with the election of Judge Janet Protosiewicz. Um, they are not getting along. They being the, the liberal majority and now the conservative minority. And, you know, Brian Hagedorn does what Brian Hagedorn does. What is your sense of where this story is going in the, in the weeks and months ahead? They're gonna, they have some big cases coming up, but they're just sorting out the details of how they work together or the opposite. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, you know, people adjust to change in very different ways, don't they? So we, you know, like you mentioned, Brian Hagdorn, we haven't heard a whole lot from him since the since the change at the Wisconsin Supreme Court. We, but we've heard a whole lot from the other two conservative justices, Annette Ziegler and Rebecca Bradley. Uh, and it, it seems like, in large part, what they're doing is is trying to, um, you know kind of whip up this conservative media storm around the, you know, some of the initial actions from the new liberal majority on the court. And I think the way that that has connected to some comments made by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, uh, you know, talking about the threat of impeaching Protosewitz as a Supreme Court justice if she were not to recuse or if there are a number of these, you know, types of issues that have come up. Redistricting, redistricting abortion, abortion uh, voting rights, a number of the cases that, you know, a lot of people are expecting will be top of mind for this. But, you know, since, you know, considering the campaign, it, it, Voss has asked Protosewitz to recuse, uh, I think. You know, I think you're going to if you if you hear that noise increase, you're going to hear a lot of liberals and people on the left ask the same of Rebecca Bradley, who also received campaign donations from the Republican Party of Wisconsin. So I think they're going to say if Protosewitz needs to recuse, so does Rebecca Rebecca Bradley. So you're going to get a lot of this just partisan back and forth. Uh, And I really think that the threat of impeachment that Voss has raised in this would be a huge, huge mistake for him and for the state. And I think we heard the state voices loud and clear in this spring election, with a double-digit victory in the state of Wisconsin, where where elections are often decided by decimal points. You know, to go back on that just a few months later would be such a huge mistake. It would cause so much political turmoil in this state. I won't sugarcoat it. If Republicans actually did that, if they impeached the new justice, they wouldn't win an election in this state for a long time. It's it's something you don't do. You can be angry as heck about it, but the way you change that is you win elections. Mm-hmm. So if your ideas are are right, if they're smart, if they're good for the state, then you win elections with candidates that support that. And if they go down that road, Speaker Voss or any of the Senate leaders, I think it's a huge mistake. Yeah, but I think you know there was a piece in the over the weekend of the Washington Post from Patrick Marley, uh, former Journal Sentinel reporter, uh, talking about this. And I think one of the things that he brought up that seems like a realistic outcome here is that the Assembly could vote to impeach or, or vote to remove the justice with a majority vote. The state Senate would require a supermajority vote to actually oust 
the any of the Supreme Court justices. But then you could kind of create this limbo situation. And if Voss and the assembly voted to remove and then just left it out there affirmed by the Senate, you know, we saw them do this with so many of Governor Evers' appointments right. in his first term. We saw them ultimately remove his agriculture secretary earlier in his first term. Uh, and and kind of we, we had to refer to the Department of Health secretary as the health secretary designee, uh, basically through the entire first term. So I think that mm-hmm. is seems like the type of move that Robin Voss would pull power consolidation at all costs. As they say, we shall see. Dan Schaefer will do it again next Tuesday.